Thank you. Josh has already put my first slide up. It's, it's great to be here speaking with you all this morning and I just want to add my thanks to Coral and welcoming Coral coming this morning. Um, I can remember when we first arrived in Chesham back in 1987 that um, you know, Dacre and Coral were leading the church and we, I think it was probably only my first or second visit to um, King's Church that um, Dacre had a prophetic word for us which impacted us for years to come after that. So, pretty impressive. And um, Dacre also encouraged me in um, um, prophetic giftings. And I can remember one time I came forward to bring a prophecy and he said, can you sing it? (laughs) (laughs) And uh, (laughs) I thought it was, you know, fairly simple. And and then he's like, can you sing it? But anyway, I did and it was fine. But um, he was sort of um, ready to kind of um, just push you a little bit further than than you'd expected, which was was great for me, really great. And so, and and I just remember the really supportive things that um, you did as well, Coral. Um, you know you ran lots of ladies groups and stuff and I just was so encouraged by coming to them yes you did (laughs) so thank you yeah so anyway um, I've been asked to give you an update about the charity Health Tree Uganda um, which was set up here in Chesham 10 years ago with the encouragement from members of this church and I am the director And I'll be talking about how God has led us in the work that we've been doing and I'll be relating this to the Kingdom of God and our identity in the Kingdom of God. And we'll then look at how lessons learned can be applied in our daily lives. So what is Health Tree Uganda? We're a registered charity who go to poor, disempowered, sometimes remote communities in Uganda offering support and especially focusing on health because without good health people are unable to work, earn a living, go to school and generally climb out of poverty. 30% of the population of Uganda have an average income of less than $1.5 per day, US dollars. And there's no NHS or benefits system to help the poor or those most in need. The charity has trustees committed to helping with the decision-making and the handling of funds, for which I am so grateful. As a charity, we aim to build personal relationships with community leaders and to provide funds for them to access medical equipment or to support the health of the community in other ways. We aim to visit fairly regularly so that we can see for ourselves how our funds are being spent and three of us will be going out to Uganda together in July slash August this year. Clem, our Chair of Trustees, will be coming. Um, My son Ben Foster, who is a new trustee, and myself. So, for for your information, we have a new website, and you'll be glad to know that Coral has already looked at it and said... It is amazing. So please make note of the website address, www.healthtreeuganda.org.uk. 
Also, we have an AGM next Sunday afternoon in this very room, so you won't get lost, you'll know where to come. All welcome, and you'll hear more about uh, what we've been doing, but also our plans for the coming year. So that's a bit about us, for those of you who haven't heard anything about Health Tree Uganda before. Um, so I'd like to, before I proceed to tell you any more about Health Tree Uganda, I'd like to share some scriptures with you. So first let's look at Luke chapter 4. Jesus had just spent 40 days being tempted in the wilderness and it says in verse 14, and I've just put a little bit up on the slide there for you. It says in verse 14 of Luke chapter 4, Jesus returns to Galilee in the power of the Spirit and news about him spread through the whole countryside. He was teaching in their synagogues and everyone praised him. He went to Nazareth where he had been brought up and on the Sabbath day he went into the synagogue as was his custom and he stood up to read and the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him. Unrolling it he found the place where it is written and this is what's up on the slide here. The Spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favour. Then he rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant and sat down. The eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fastened upon him. And he began by saying to them, Today, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. So Jesus came to his home synagogue in the power of the Holy Spirit. And this re reading was his mission statement. Isaiah 61 was to be at the heart of the message he brought to the people he met, proclaiming good news to the poor, freedom to the prisoners, and setting the oppressed free. This was his kingdom message. So now let's compare this with Isaiah chapter 58. God speaking through the prophet Isaiah tells us what is really on his heart for us. Got it up? Yep, fantastic. So he, this is what he really loves to see us doing. The passage starts in Isaiah chapter 58, verses, verse 5. Is this the kind of fast I have chosen? Only a day for people to humble themselves? Is not this the kind of fasting I have chosen? To loose the chains of injustice and untie the cords of the yoke. To set the oppressed free and break every yoke. Is it not to share your food with the hungry and to provide the poor wanderer with shelter? When you see the naked, to clothe him and not to turn away from your own flesh and blood. Then your light will break forth like the dawn and your healing will quickly appear. Then your righteousness will go before you and the glory of the Lord will be your rear guard. Then you will call and the Lord will answer. You will cry for help, and the, he will say, Here am I. 
If you do away with the yoke of oppression, with the pointing finger and malicious talk, and if you spend yourself on behalf of the hungry and satisfy the needs of the oppressed, then your light will rise in the darkness and your night will become like the noonday. The Lord will guide you always. He will satisfy your needs in a sun-scorched land and he will strengthen your frame. So that's a passage from Isaiah and what he's saying is on his heart for each one of us to be doing. So just want to ask, what is fasting? My study Bible pointed me to Leviticus chapter 16 verse 29 where the writer is talking about the Day of Atonement, traditionally a day of fasting. And the scripture simply says we should deny ourselves. Fasting involves giving something sacrificial. God, through Isaiah, is saying it's not enough to just set aside the odd hour or day to pray. And in verse 10 of this passage, he tells us to spend ourselves on behalf of the needy. Now, I'm not saying that we'll be saved by good works. No, we're saved by faith. And you'll find in the the book of James, chapter 2, the Apostle James is saying, Suppose a brother or sister is without clothes and daily food. If one of you says to them, Go, I wish you well, keep warm and well fed, but does nothing about his physical needs, what good is that? In the same way, faith, by itself, if it's not accompanied by action, is dead. So when we share our food with the hungry, provide the poor wanderer with shelter, when we see the naked and we clothe them, when we loose the chains of injustice and set the oppressed free, then, when we call to the Lord for help, he will answer us and say, Here am I. He even says in this passage, then your healing will quickly appear. So when I read Isaiah chapter 58 recently, I realised that through the years, we as a charity have been led to support and help people in all these sorts of needs. The oppressed, the hungry, wanderers without shelter, food or clothes. And these have been the people that have been on God's heart and God has led us to. And amazingly, just as God has led us, he has also, to help, to also helped us to help many, sometimes beyond our wildest dreams. So, there's a map of Uganda for you to see. Uganda is a landlocked country in East Africa, and you'll see um, sort of on Lake Victoria, sort of, top right of the map you'll see Kampala which is the capital of Uganda and then bottom left you'll see ringed in red at a place called Kizoro and that's where we have been led to focus a lot of our energies in recent years note Rwanda is just to the south there and that brown area to the left to the west is the Democratic Republic of the Congo Rwanda went through a civil war and genocide back in 1994 and the DRC has endured years of fighting and civil war. As a result, the town of Kizoro has received refugees from both of these countries 
and there's been a refugee camp just outside town for many years. The people of Kizoro have relatives across the borders in both Rwanda and DRC, so it's an area where many people have suffered much distress. My very first time in Africa was to volunteer in the town of Kizoro at a place called Potter's Village. It was originally set up as a child rescue centre for babies who have been, get this, found abandoned in the fields by their mums in the midst of the trauma of war. Or their mums may have died in childbirth due to lack of antenatal care. Staff at Potter's Village care for these babies, bring them back to health and look for a foster family for each baby if there are no relatives to be found. Now after my first visit to Uganda, I was uncertain whether I'd be returning again. I was actually going to visit somewhere else. But after someone suggested that I return to Uganda, then I received a vision in which I understood how much the Lord loves Africa, and I saw that God wanted me to return there. I've now visited a few different parts of Uganda, um, including Kampala, where I've done some work there. But it's back in that area, in southwest Uganda, that we've been led to continue focusing our efforts. And Potter's Village, where I started, now has a medical centre, a physio department, and a nutrition unit to which we're giving financial support. So... Now returning to Isaiah 58, I'm going to show you how the Lord has been leading us in the same order that were listed in Isaiah 58. No, 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 don't move it. That's, you've gone ahead of me. <laughs> I know you're keen. <laughs> okay. So, to loose the chains of injustice and untie the cords of the yoke. Sadly, in Uganda, if a woman gives birth to a child with disabilities... It's a source of shame for her family and very much for her personally. It's thought that there must be something wrong with the family or it's a curse. Therefore, people with disabilities are often hidden away, shunned, not taken outside and left unattended and not fed much while other family members go out to work. This is an injustice for the child and for the family. But in recent years, staff at Potter's Village have been working to dispel these prejudices. And the picture on the left shows the new physiotherapy department where they're trying to work to help the, these disabled children. Um, you'll be hearing more about this at the AGM if you're interested to come. Um, they've shown that some simple exercises and some simple furniture that supports the children helps them to really grow and thrive and, um, yeah, and become self-caring, walk, live more normal lives. The department brings their mums together as well so that they meet up with other mums of disabled children and discover that they're not the only ones. We've also been supporting the physio department, that's the picture on the right, uh, oh, sorry, I'm, I'm, no, I'm going wrong here. Um, <laughs> we've been so supporting the physio department since um, August 2022, and in, and in that time, a number of children born with Down syndrome have learned to walk and talk and been discharged in the department, and children with cerebral palsy have learned to walk and interact socially when their mums thought they would never achieve anything. Meanwhile, the picture on the right... 
Um, we are sole funders, sole funders of a community nutrition outreach. A clinical officer called Rogers goes out from Potter's Village once a week visiting different communities, checking on children who have previously been in the medical centre with malnutrition and looking out for other children who have health problems. He often comes across children with malnutrition who also have disabilities or other health problems and he gets the parents to bring them into Potter's Village. This outreach ministry has been hugely successful now. <laughs> so recently, while out in the community, Rogers found Patrick at home with his mother looking very sick. It was soon clear that he was suffering from something called severe acute malnutrition with edema, a very serious condition that can be easily missed where his legs, arms and face have become puffy and swollen. Rogers suspected that Patrick had an underlying illness and he urged Patrick's mum to bring him to Potter's Village Medical Centre for testing and treatment. By the time Patrick arrived at the medical centre, Rogers said Patrick was on his deathbed. He was soon diagnosed with tuberculosis and started on treatment. And with the expertise of staff at Potter's Village Medical Centre, treatment for TB and support for his nutrition, Patrick started to improve. His condition was transformed rapidly within a matter of days and weeks and he was soon up and about. He's been discharged back home and everyone is delighted with his progress. Without our funding for Rogers, Patrick would have died for sure. So that's a great little story there. Okay, next, next slide please. The next category is to set the oppressed free and break every yoke. Now some of you will know about our work at the remote health centre called Rutaka Health Centre. We were asked by a church leader to please go with him and visit, to please see if we could help. Staff there were delivering 17 to 20 babies a month as well as having inpatient wards where sick patients would be nursed overnight. But there was frequently no light and often no running water. The staff there were working in very difficult conditions. They were oppressed, carrying a heavy yoke as they tried to care for and treat the residents of some 16 villages in a rugged mountainous area. Babies sometimes had to be delivered by the light of a mobile phone and morale was low. There was no money available from the government or local authorities to help them. And when we realised the situation, as a charity we were able to step in and get them hooked up to electricity almost straight away. But there was also the issue of water. I felt overwhelmed by the need at Rutaka as I knew that helping them to get a decent water supply, also toilets and bathrooms, was going to be the biggest financial project we had undertaken. I knew too that other nurses and doctors had visited Rutaka before us and said it was an impossible place to help. But as I prayed and yielded this to God, I heard him say not to be anxious and that this was his project too. After this, despite the difficulties of COVID lockdowns, 
money started to flow into this health centre so that we were able to send them the finances to get them running water, flushing toilets and warm showers. The staff there feel that their lives have been turned around by being given these things that we take for granted. One member of staff told me, we were desperate here, we were really struggling, but now with your support, hope is returning. It made them feel that they had not been forgotten despite their isolation in the mountains. In the last year, we've been financing them to give better health services by providing them with new lab equipment to test for tropical diseases and TB and typhoid. And they now also have a machine to give oxygen to patients. So there's a newborn baby in a cot with a midwife giving the baby oxygen. And headline news, real headline news, a year ago, we sent funds for a resuscitation and, uh, table and baby warmer, and it has been much harder than I imagined, with lots of red tape, much prayer, sacrificing time and asking difficult questions. But finally, last week, the baby warmer arrived. Um, that man on the, the right of the photo, of the right-hand photo, he is the manager of Rutaka Health Centre and he personally went to Kampala and escorted it back on the bus so that <laughs> it, was, it was so precious to him, he was not going to let it out of his hands at all. And um, I've got some other photos of it you know, being set up and put into use, um, which you'll see at the AGM next week when you come, of course. <laughs> so, yeah. So that's Rutaka. Um, next photo, please. Right. To provide the poor wanderer with shelter. Now, this is the last group of people that I want to tell you about today, and they're the Batwa people, an ancient indigenous tribe like the Aborigines of Australia or, uh, or the American Indians. I'm keeping them on their toes there with the slides. <laughs> this is where they used to live. They'd been hunter-gatherers in remote mountains of Uganda and Rwanda, where they had lived for thousands of years till they were turned off the land by the government in order to develop tourism and national parks in the area. It is now illegal for them to even enter the land they used to inhabit. They were rendered homeless, wandering around, not knowing what to do, and the local church stepped in and gave them some land to stay in. I first actually discovered about them in an online article as I was searching something else, and my heart was deeply touched by their plight and their story, and I started asking questions about them. So the church came along and gave them some land so that they can live on. And this is where they now live, not very good really, no trees, but anyway, this is where they now live. Now, I had heard that these people are impossible to help, but my husband John and I went and met them in 2022, and there's John on the right there, and we asked, what do you need? And they said, we have no roofs over our heads, there are big holes 
and when it rains, especially at night, we have nowhere to sleep where we can stay dry. Then we get ill. We heard from a doctor that they've been very vulnerable to pneumonia and actually they have a life expectancy of 28 years. So that means they have an average possible life of 28 years and not many of them live beyond that. So that, yeah, it's shocking, isn't it? Appalling. <coughs> they also said to us, we have no food, and I mean literally no food. We discovered that they often have to forage in rubbish dumps for food. And we also have hardly any clothes. As soon as we left them, John and I went to the bank and drew out the maximum amount we could draw out for the day. We gave it to the church treasurer so that food could be bought for this tribe. And within two days, they had enough basic food to feed them for two weeks. Then the trustees of Health Tree Uganda sent funds so that they could have new roofing and shelter from the heavy tropical rains. Oh, can it, I don't know if you can see it, it's a little bit dark. Um, we also funded guttering to protect their homes further and rain, a rainwater harvesting tank, which is that domed shape structure you can see in the middle there, um, so that they have another source of clean water. And we've also, um, thanks to generous donations, we've been sending them clothes as well. Uh, next one. In the upcoming months, at their request, we're raising funds so that we can pay for them to have an airy, well-ventilated kitchen. It'll be something like one of these photos here. Um, two different kitchens, but where you see there's a wall, and above the wall it's just air. It's not, there's no glass there, but it's to help with ventilating um, the kitchen so that they don't get so many fumes. Um, yeah, because of what, how, how they're cooking at the moment, they really do need a new kitchen. They're, cook, they're cooking in enclosed spaces and the things that they're using for fuel, because bear in mind they have no money at all, the things they're using for fuel are other people's rubbish, such as old plastic bottles and old tires. So the fumes are really bad for them, really bad for their health and not, not a good environment. So that is our next thing that we're doing this coming year, getting funds so that they can have an outdoor, what they call an outdoor kitchen. Finally, the people of southwest Uganda speak a language called Rufumbura. And the first church that was ever built in southwest Uganda was in 1906 and it was only on the 22nd of September 2023, so just a few months ago, that these people finally received their first New Testament in their own language. So it turns out that meeting their needs in these practical ways has been a reminder to them that they're not forgotten, that God loves them. We've been bringing good news to the poor when they couldn't even read about it. Okay, I would like, if possible, to show a little video now, and just before you click on, on the video, 
Um, this is the Batwa people who um, I've just been telling you about who we're going to raise funds for their kitchen that we've had their roofs fixed. And after they had their ro roofs fixed, they danced and sang, and this is what they were singing. God's promises are sure. I will serve him every day. So if you could show the video, that would be great. Thank you. So you've all been very quiet and attentive, <laughs> which is fantastic. Thank you. Um, I just want to go into a, a few moments of reflection now about each of us personally. Now you may feel you'd like to get more involved with Health Tree Uganda, which is great, and if you do, come speak to me afterwards. Or in fact, there is Chesham Community Fridge that often needs sacrificial help from uh, the team. But there are other things that God may be speaking to you about as well. When Mike and Wilma left here recently, they commented that there is still so much need here in Chesham. So let's be for a, quiet for a moment and I want you to just ask yourself some questions. Is there someone I know who is in need today who God is prompti prompting me to help? Is there someone I know who is perhaps feeling forgotten or unloved who I can help in some way to let them know that God loves them? Is there someone I am being led by God to give to sacrificially today? If you feel that you're being prompted to do something, make sure you act on that. Don't leave it hanging too long. In Ecclesiastes chapter 5, we're told not to delay in fulfilling what he's asking us to do. Then, as it says in Isaiah 58, the Lord will guide you always. He will satisfy your needs in a sun-scorched land and will strengthen your frame. Amen. Thank you for listening.